This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is an honor and a privilege to be joined by my next guest. You know, it's funny. When I first started Play Like a Jet almost two years ago, the first show was June 2nd, 2017. One of the people that I've been trying to get on the show for the longest time is somebody that's a true trailblazer and a legend in the NFL. All kinds of schedule conflicts where either I wasn't available or she wasn't available. We kept going back and forth. And finally, we made this happen. I want to make sure that I get her to come back a bunch of times. So I have to be extra nice and be on really good behavior today so she doesn't say, I'm never coming back on this show again. But she is a legendary scout. She opened so many doors for so many people. The very first female scout in the NFL for the New York Jets. And also, and this is something that I would be holding up on my resume for the rest of my life if I ever had it. In fact, I'd probably get it tattooed on my chest. She discovered Mark Gastineau, one of the greatest pass rushers in the history of professional football. The reason that the Jets drafted him, and in fact, the reason that he was invited to the Senior Bowl was because of my guest. And that, of course, is Connie Carberg, who, by the way, wrote a book. And if you haven't read it yet, you really should. It's called X's and O's Don't Mean I Love You. Connie, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, it's a pleasure, Scott. So good to talk to you. I'm really excited to have you on because with draft season up, and you've said to me that you could be just as wrong as anybody else, and I know that that's true, but still, to have the trained eye of a scout to help us through this process because there are so many prospects and there's so many options for the Jets here, and I know that you still keep on top of the NFL and you still keep on top of college football and you probably watch more football than just about anybody that doesn't get paid to do it for a living at this point. So I want to have you on and have you give your perspective as a former scout about what the Jets should do, certain players. I want to start with the top three players in this draft. Let's start with Nick Bosa. Here's a guy that if you were going to look at somebody that closely mirrors Mark Gasno, at least in terms of size, it would be Nick Bosa as far as the pass rushers go. Six foot four, two hundred and sixty-five pounds, maybe not quite as fast as Mark Gasno was, but certainly an interesting pass rush prospect. When you watch Nick Bosa, what do you see? I, I see very similar, as you said, in size, definitely not as fast. You know, Mark was a four or five. Uh, definitely similar in the nonstop motor, which is something I always like. It gives everything on every single play. So they're very similar in that way. Um, master technician, he, he rushes the passer, knows what he's doing, comes from a very good lineage in that respect. He is, uh, you know, his father um, was drafted number one. His uncle was. He, his brother's already in the NFL and a, a really good. That doesn't mean you're going to be great just because your brother is or your father or your uncle were drafted. The only thing that worries me was his injury. Uh, as I said, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know um, when you have a big abdominal uh, core surgery uh, is it something that is likely to reoccur is it something or in, in any way um, or is that something once it's fixed we really don't have to worry and then just go on from there so i don't know his medical if that's been cleared and looks clean um, then i think he's definitely the top so you think that despite the fact that he isn't as explosive he would be the best choice for the jets if he were to be available at number three Yes, definitely. I would. When you watch Nick Bosa, does it bother you at all that he doesn't have that elite first step that somebody like Mark had, or if we're talking about more modern times, somebody like Khalil Mack, Von Miller, or Miles Garrett? 
No, but he does have a, he does have a very quick first step. That's why his his ten yard split was really good. He is that part is very good. As I said, his forty is not. But how how often are they running forty yards? So it's totally fine. So his ten yard was very good. He's fine there. He has good moves. Uses his hands well. And as I said, the most important thing too is nonstop motor. You can just see. You can feel his love for the game and what he's doing. So, do you have him rated as your number one prospect in the draft? Uh, yes, I do. At, you know what? As I said, but I don't know what Arizona is doing as far as the Kyler Murray thing. But yes, I I would say Bosa. Yes. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So the next best pass rusher after Bosa would be Josh Allen from Kentucky. What do you think about him? I want, yeah, I, I like I like Josh Allen a whole bunch. The old, I said, and I really, I, from what I can see watching him compared to most of the others, I definitely think he's the best. As I said, the only thing that I saw was he's, but he's you know he's young and he's going to have a lot to learn. Was once coming as he comes in. If he gets stopped, he doesn't have a, a, another move or he gets kind of pushed aside a little bit. Also, even on the point of attack, still not super strong yet. Um, but um, you can see he um, has great speed, nice and long and lanky. A couple of times I did see him go into pass coverage, which um, if, he, if he were, you know, on a lot of teams now that's expected to drop somewhat. And he did go back in some zone a couple of times in man. And he, from what I could see, he did that pretty well. So for that reason, uh, I can't say he didn't seem to have superpower as far as making really strong tackles, but a good solid tackler. So looking at him compared to the others, though, when I looked at, you know, Burns, I looked at Montez Sweat was very intriguing, very intriguing, very intriguing. But I still would say I would go with Josh Allen. There are many who will say that Josh Allen, because of what you said, the athleticism and the speed, that he might have a higher ceiling than Nick Bosa. Do you agree with that? No, I don't think so. Well, he's a completely different type of player. You know, Nick, uh, Nick Bosa is your play, real defensive end coming right from the end, whereas um, I, I don't see him really dropping that much back into coverage. He's yeah, really much more, as I said, a straight defensive end, whereas um, I see more Josh Allen uh, in a 3-4 stand-up, more of a linebacker combo, somewhat once in a while down at the defensive end, but also stand-up linebacker more. 
So do you think that he would be less effective in a 4-3 than a 3-4? Yes, yes, I do. I, I, I definitely see Josh Allen in a 3-4. So if Nick Bosa were off the board and you were looking to go pass rusher, the next guy that you would go to is Allen? Uh, yes, I would. Mm-hmm. I would go to Josh Allen. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So let's talk about the guy who's not an edge rusher who's in this mix as one of the top three players. And that, of course, is Quentin Williams, a defensive lineman from Alabama. I've been very vocal about the fact that I think he's the best player in the draft. And while I know that the Jets desperately need an edge rusher, I think that this has to be a pick where you're taking somebody who could be the linchpin of your defense for the next five to ten years. And I think that Quentin Williams is one of those rare prospects where his ceiling is through the roof, but so is his floor. I think that barring injury, he's more or less as close to bust-proof as you're going to get, and I think that the odds of him becoming a great player are very high. Is this something you agree with? Yes, I do. I think Quinnen, I watched him quite a bit too, too, and he is. He's and he's um, he's just very and he's very strong. Again, he's young, but he, boy, and he only have the one year. That's the only, I know everybody says, well, he only started one year, but he is he's very intelligent, plays really hard. I think even though the Jets, we've, we've drafted so many times, we thought we were really set. You know, we have we drafted. Um, we, well, we didn't draft, but we got we had snacks, uh, we had Copels, we had Sheldon, we had Mo, and we thought we were. And of course, we have Leonard. We still have him. So we thought we were going to be pretty well set on the defensive line. Luckily, we got Henry um, Anderson set there. But I think we st- you know always need players, and I do think Quinn will be an All Pro. I really do. So I wouldn't hesitate there either. It's a really tough decision between him and Josh Allen. Uh, I'm, I'm really. I think we have to see what our defensive coordinator is really thinking, uh, Greg Williams, along with our scouting department, and the type of defense that he's going to call and how that works. Scheme is so important. So if you're sitting there at number three, if Nick Bose is on the board, you're definitely taking him regardless, yes? Yes. Okay. Yes. Unless his medical doesn't check out, as you said. Exactly. Right. That's the only hesitation I have is medical, and I don't know what that says. So then if you're sitting at three and let's say Bose is not on the board, but Quinn and Williams and Josh Allen are both on the board, push comes to shove, who would you take? Myself, I'm, I, I have been dying for an edge rusher for a long time. I'm going to have to go Josh. I can't help it. I got to go Josh Allen. I just do. I, we, need, we just need speed. We need so much speed on defense, and especially now with more mobile quarterbacks. Um, in the old days are more in the pocket and then need somebody that can keep up with them or get to the edge. Even if they get flushed out, we know that he can keep up when they are flushed out. So I have to go with Josh Allen. But if Josh Allen and Nick Bosa were both gone, you think Quinn and Williams, the gap between him and the other pass rushers is too big to pass on him? Yes, I, then I would definitely go with Quinn because you still do need pressure up the middle 
um, which is really important now to get in the faces of the quarterback. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I want to talk about the other edge rushers because you touched on them a little bit. I want to know what you think about Brian Burns and Montez Sweat and players like that, even Ja'Kai Polite, who it looks like is going to drop down the board a bit. What do you see when you watch those guys? Anybody you like especially? The one that I do is Montez Sweat. I, Brian Burns, I watched, but I, I, it didn't. Uh, I wasn't that impressed. But Montez Sweat, I really did. I, you know, the speed, um, the moves, um, just aggressive. And again, again, his motor was nonstop too, and giving everything all the time. I just, I, I was really impressed with him very much. I, I liked him the best. Uh, polite, as I said, once I saw the part, um, for me, you know, I'm, I'm a big character person. Every team is a little bit different on that. And if they said that he really has bad interviews, a lot of things really pushed him down the board. On the third pick, I certainly would not take a guy like Polite. But you would consider him if he was there when the Jets picked in the third round. Right. A third round, that's when you can take guys that are, you might have a little bit here, a little bit there that's a little bit questionable. Then third round would be a perfect time to take him. Now, I know you and I have talked privately about how important it is for the Jets to protect Sam Darnold, the crown jewel, because the Jets haven't had a quarterback potentially this good since Joe Namath. We don't know for sure that he's going to pan out to be that good, but he is the first guy that the Jets have had that you look at and say, if everything goes right, this guy could be that good. And we haven't seen anything like that in many, many years. So the importance of protecting him with the offensive line. Are there any offensive linemen that you watched this past year in college football that you specifically like? Well, as I said, I'm, I'm still studying a lot of them, but I would say the two guys, two of the guys, uh, Bobby Evans of Oklahoma and Drew Samia, uh, Samia. I'm not sure I want to get it spelled, pronounced wrong. He's also a guard, one's a tackle, one's a guard from both from Oklahoma. Um, I like, I see now we're, we're in the third round, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in the first round and we don't have a second round pick. We have two picks in the third round. So in the third round, I'm kind of looking at offensive linemen, uh, cornerbacks, and depending, you know, maybe best player available, depending on where we are there. It could be, a, you know, is it a cornerback or a wide receiver and an offensive lineman. Um, also, Chuma Adoga, an offensive tackle, offensive guard of USC. And the other person that I happened, if we if we took Quinn, one other thing I want to say, if we took Quinn and Williams in the first round, um, in the middle, the other edge rusher that I like in the third round is Justin Hollins of Oregon. I'm just real impressed with him. Interesting. So those are some guys that you think could be gems in the third round. What about if the Jets were to trade down a little bit? Any other offensive linemen you like? Have you had a chance to watch Jawan Taylor or Jonah Williams or anybody like that? Oh yeah, both of guys. If we if we if we traded down and we thought we wanted to go right away to the offensive line, I would take either one of those definitely. Who do you like better, Taylor or Jonah Williams? Because it seems like the debate is more about who has mm-hmm. the more upside versus who is more polished. Because Jonah Williams, it seems like you're kind of getting a finished product. You think he'll probably be a pretty good player, maybe not necessarily all pro level, but with Taylor, he's a little more raw, going to need some coaching. But he's got that athleticism to maybe kick it into the next gear. Is that more or less what you think? 
Yeah, I think it was, um, you know, I tend because of Jonah going to Alabama and having played, you know, for Saban there. Um, I'll give him the edge there. I know the coaching that he got and playing tackle, even though some people think he might be moved to guard and he kind of resisted that. So worst comes to worst, you know, he'll be a great guard. Nowadays, you do need a, you do need great guards because of the push that are coming up the middle, because people are starting to say, because of Aaron Donald, you do, like just like you said with Quinn and Williams, people are starting to concentrate somewhat on defensive tackles and, and those tackles coming up with pressure up the middle. So I would say also that would be a, you know, a possibility. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Speaking of guys getting push up the middle, if the Jets don't take Quinn and Williams, and let's say they're looking for somebody to fill that role, even though they do have some good players already, we know that McClendon is coming back, and Henry Anderson's here, and obviously Leonard Williams, but maybe they're looking for somebody because they say, ah, this Nathan Shepard guy, we don't think he's going to pan out, maybe we made kind of a mistake. Anybody on the interior line that you like that they might be able to get in the third round or later? Um, I would say, I don't know if Zach Allen of Boston College will still be available. Uh, again, a real, not, you know, he's interior player, not, not, as I said, not a superb, um, great pass rusher, but one kind of a real steady Eddie type guy that you can always count on. Um, very smart. And we'll, again, we'll, we'll give you everything. Oh, there are two, two guys, and they, they were a little under, underside, but I liked it. Kalen Saunders, a defensive tackle at Western Illinois. Very impressive watching him. Um, and Tristan Hill didn't start a lot for UCF. was very impressive watching him at the Combine. Those were, those were two guys in the middle that I happened to watch. What about cornerback? Because that's a position that a lot of people are worried about because you have a situation now where you have Daryl Roberts who's penciled in as the starter and that's making people nervous. They don't have a ton of depth there, just some unprovens. Anybody you like there, whether it's trading down in the first round or even beyond the first? Yeah, as I said, trading down the first round, I don't think this is not a great year for corners um, as far as like in the first round of the, somebody that you say is just like a can't, a can't miss kind of great corner but um, i'm saying like you know and if we got a second round to third round type of guy the kid from clemson uh, trevion um, mueller he looked pretty good uh, lonnie johnson from kentucky another kid that was probably going to be like a fourth or fifth rounder but and he grabbed somewhat but i was i really like him a lot from usc inman marshall Corey ballantyne it's not a big up uh, he runs like a four four cornerback from washburn just a very tough competitor uh cornerback you know he won't go in the first three rounds but later on he should go Corey ballantyne cornerback of washburn let's stay in the secondary because we know the jets need a corner and we know that they have two starters that are established as safeties but there's thin depth there at safety and on top of it marcus may has been hurt quite a bit in his first two seasons so anybody you like there probably not in the first round but maybe in the mid rounds uh, one kid was from University of Miami, and he's going to be in a later round. Jack Quinn Johnson was a safety from Miami, and he will probably be like in a fifth round. I still, even though Miami does, University of Miami doesn't win all the time or back, back to their full strength, I do love taking University of Miami players. I like Joe Jackson, the defensive end from University of Miami. I like Michael. He didn't run very fast, though, the defensive back. But I, I, I do like even Shedrick Redwine from Miami. He ran a four 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 have a tendency to, to do enjoy and think that University of Miami defensive backs and players uh, do well in the pros, and I, I don't hesitate to take them. 
Are there certain programs that you look at now heading into this draft where, like you said with the Miami thing, you like the certain pedigree of a certain position from certain schools? Or are there any others besides Miami that you might look at and say, well, there's a kid I kind of like, plus he went to this school, so now I like him even more? Usually that will be that would be like Wisconsin with their offensive line. It could be Ohio State uh, with with wide receivers, you know, with running backs. Um, it sometimes could be offensive line. I don't think they have too many coming out this year that are really there. But a lot of times, so I would say those would probably be the most. But Miami, as I said, just because they usually have uh, quite a few ath- good athletes, um, not as many as in the past. But I I do try to look at the, uh, at their Guys, even if they're not rated high, they seem to to make the pros for some reason. What do you think about wide receiver? Because the Jets did make an investment there with Jamison Crowder, but we could still see them pick a receiver in the mid to late rounds, or even if they were to trade down, who knows, somebody like DK Metcalf. And I want to ask you specifically about Metcalf, too, because he's a guy that tested very well at the Combine, but his production wasn't great. So I was curious, as a scout, what do you think about that mm-hmm. dynamic? So what do you think about Metcalf, and are there any receivers that you have your eye on? Yeah, DK Metcalf is interesting because he's, you know, he was his one that just bulked up and was built like a, you know, a Greek god. And, um, and as I said, he had amazing speed. And when you watch him, yeah, he has terrific speed, long ball and big and physical. Um, then he did some of the, um, other things, you know, with the cones and the other drills and which kind of showed change of direction, which he might not be as good at. But what was very interesting, I was watching something the other day on TV and when they showed, um, DeAndre Hopkins and his thing was very similar and he wasn't good at a lot of those things. So it doesn't matter what, what you're looking for is depending on the type of receiver. Are you looking for deep speed? Are you looking for a big physical receiver? My favorite though. Um, I, I do think he, he's one of those basically he could be a boomer bus guy. The one that I really like is uh, JJ Arcea Whiteside of Stanford. What I like about him and he probably will go in the second or third round. What I like about him, and he ended up running like about a four, four nine, somewhere in that area. He's about six three. But when every time I watched him, he was so good in the red zone, and he was he he knows how to he played a lot of basketball, and he knows how to he boxes out beautifully. He would box out the defensive backs perfectly to catch the ball, and I I just love the way he knows how to use his body. So I'm a, I'm a big big fan of his. As far as pass catchers, it's not just receivers now. We know that it could also be tight ends. And the way that tight ends have been used in this league has really changed a lot over the years. I know that the two Iowa tight ends are the big ones, and I'm particularly fond of TJ Hawkinson. What do you think of Hawkinson and Noah Fant, and are there any other tight ends that you might think the Jets could keep their eye on in the mid-rounds? Because I know that Christopher Herndon is a really good player, but you know how it goes. If you can get a second tight end, you have a bunch of different mismatches, especially with Le'Veon Bell there at running back. It makes things very difficult for the defense. Yes, I think um, I both I like Hawkinson and Fant. Yeah, and Iowa, as I said, yeah, they're both both excellent tight ends. And there's a couple of other interesting ones. Um, Dax Raymond of Utah State. Um, I liked him. As, and, and these guys, they would not be in the first or second round. There's a big guy about six foot seven from Michigan. His name is Zach Gentry. Um, I also, as a blocker, Drew Sample. I like him, okay, from uh, from Washington. And for the other interesting kid is Foster Moreau. He's 6'5", and about 255 from LSU. 
And he's the one that got to wear that jersey, you know, that you get to wear for one of these. They, they pick out a special guy that gets to wear this one jersey, the number. And he he can block and catch. Not super fast, though. But I think, you know, we have a guy. We have the receiving tight ends. We need more blocking because uh, Tomlinson, you know, I know we, we resigned him. But remember, he was injured last year when the weight fell on him. And coming back, I don't know how he's how he is, but we definitely need a more of a blocking tight end. So that's what I was looking for in some of these later rounds is to get a, a tight end, yes, that can catch to some degree, which is great, but also one that's going to be a good inline blocker. Let's talk running back. I know the Jets just spent a ton of money on Le'Veon Bell. But Eli McGuire hasn't necessarily panned out the way that some people thought. We don't really know what they can expect out of Trenton Cannon. What do you think about the idea of drafting a running back in the mid-rounds if one were to slide that they like? And are there any that you have your eye on specifically? Yes, on running back, yeah, I, I think it's if we can get if we can fit it in with all we don't have too many picks, but if we, <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to be able to get um, definitely a running back. Um, Daryl Henderson of Memphis. He ran a four four eight, and so he's got real good speed. But he probably, if you had to do that, it would probably go in the third round. So I don't know if we're going to go for a running back that early. He's small, but he's he's very fast. Be a nice change of pace. We we do need somebody that can break one. Besides, you know, I know we have Le'Veon, but another nice kind of change of pace back. The other type would be a another big back that's more like a fullback, and that's Ryquell Armstead of Temple. He's five eleven and two twenty. But also, so he could be a little bit later, but he's also a really, um, you know, a good blocker as well. So that's another, um, Justice Hill from Oklahoma State is another kind of a scat back running back that would be interesting, but he may be already gone by the time we have a chance, you know, in the third round. So those are a couple of, and Trevion Williams, a running back from Texas A&M. He didn't run as fast as they thought he might, but when you watch him on TV, he sure runs well and very fast another one last one that might go very late because he's more of a just a receiver out of the backfield which is also great uh james williams out of washington state so those are a couple of of running backs you get one of those running backs that can be a extra wide receiver that's something that adam gase really likes to use so that could be a valuable weapon even if it's like you said toward the end of the draft and that's why the guy guy like him james williams has great hands he would be really good Let's talk about the last position, and it's one they spent a lot of money on because we talked about the edge-rushing linebackers. But what about the inside linebackers, even if it's just for depth purposes in the mid to late rounds? Anybody that you saw that you liked? Of course, I want uh, Devin White. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not going to make it to the late rounds, but sure. I don't think so. I think he's going to go right away. But I just love, I adore that kid. That's, uh, you know, (laughs) that's another kid that I love, even though we – you know, we're in pretty good shape there. But um, one other edge rusher that I forgot to mention, too, is another nonstop motor guy that kind of is like a, a mark type with this motor is a Chase Winovich from Michigan. Okay, inside. Oh, Drew Tranquil out of Notre Dame. And he's had quite a bit of injury. He ran pretty well at the combine, but he's a, he's a leader type, character kind of guy. Be great on special teams. Um, Mac Wilson, another linebacker from Alabama. We talked about all the positions, but I want to get a general overview because we talked about certain players at the top of the draft, but some others we might have skipped over. You talked about how much you like Devin White. Can you tell me about what you love about White and the other players that stand out to you that you really, really like that we haven't mentioned yet? Well, Devin White, um, 
you know, just uh, first of all, his character, uh, he's smart. Uh, he tackles with such impact, um, speed, covers one side of the field to the other. Uh, you just, you know, you just know you can count on count on him to be everywhere. As I said, he's, he's, he's got good flexibility, good hip movement. He can drop back and pass coverage. He can cover the tight ends. He can cover the running backs. Um, I just think he's a complete player. I just think he'll be there. He's, you know, the LSU kind of guy that just is always there for you. This is the kind of insight that led to the drafting of Mark Gassineau. All those years ago, I wish she was in the Jets' draft room to help guide this ship in the right direction. Maybe the Jets would come away with another steal like Mark Gastineau in the second round all those years ago. Jets don't have a second round pick, but you never know. Maybe in the third round, they're able to get somebody like we talked about, like a Ja'Kai Polite or some of the later round picks that Connie was throwing out there. It's all about finding value. You should, at the very minimum, hit on your first round picks. And then after that, it's about finding players that can help you. Connie, Lord knows the Jets have had so many of those. Remember in the 70s, we were talking about this before we came on the air. So many steals in those two drafts towards the end of the 70s, right? Yes. To me, it's the most important thing. If we look back, as I said, I know it's before a lot of these, your listeners were probably even born in 76, in the 76 draft and 77. And those two drafts alone, we came up with Marvin Powell, Richard Todd, Abdul Salam, Joe Klecko, Matt Robinson, Dan Alexander, Wesley Walker, Scotty Durking, Kevin Long, just those two drafts alone. And that's what you, you know, you hope to hit for sure on the first round. Uh, we haven't had a lot of luck on the second. And we don't have a second round pick this year. So maybe that's okay. And then the rest of the, you know, you want to hit on those other lower picks. And that's when you can really build your team. If all of a sudden your fourth and fifth round pick comes through, that's, it's really awesome. And if you ever hit on a seventh round, then it's, then it's really fantastic. And then you can really keep building each year um, and, and, and have a successful team. And pretty soon you're in the playoffs to build with the free agency that we have. And the Jets will be winners again, and we will take flight. And that's how you build a winning program, those years in the 70s. And then when Eric Mangini was here, the core of those AFC championship competitive teams were built those years. And so if you're able to have drafts where you get a bunch of impact players, that's really, I think, how you build up something that can be a long-term winner, right? Right, exactly. And really, it's, it's so true. You know, if you look, just look back on those years that were successful and just, uh, you know, come through and get, you know, and they can be role, it doesn't, they can be starters, they can be a role player. If they're great on special teams, any part that they help you with, um, is just so important. And as we, you and I were talking about, times have changed so much now where guys that couldn't make the teams back then because they were too little or didn't have something. Nowadays, there's a lot of different situational players. Uh, you, since you don't play all the time, three downs. So there's a lot more opportunity to make teams. So, um, a, a guy, and depending on the scheme of the team, the coaches, and just it, do they fit into the team that drafts them? And then also the for people that aren't drafted right after this is over. It used to be 17 rounds. Then it was 12 rounds. Now it's only seven rounds. So there's, t- there's tons of free agents. Right after the draft is over, where they go out and get it. And you know how many players make it that are not drafted. You know, we all think that we know what we're talking about in drafting players, but there's so many that you can't measure that can actually make the NFL squads. So as we say, we never give up. Your dream is always a possibility. 
And Connie, I think we remember a gentleman who was an undrafted free agent back then when there were 17 rounds. Now, of course, only seven, so the odds are much greater that you can get a guy that's an undrafted free agent that can make an impact. But if the Jets could get another Bruce Harper as an undrafted free agent, I think that would be a pretty big win, right? I agree with you completely. Exactly right. Let's hope that that's what happens and that they get a bunch of players in the draft that become key members of this team for years to come. And listen, if they can get somebody like a Bruce Harper or Wayne Corbett, or as you mentioned to me before we started recording, Chad Cascadden, guys that they pluck out of nowhere that turn into good players, guys like my former guest, Mike DeVito, who turned into a really good player. Uh, yes, uh, Mike. That's right. So right. many of them, if you do it right, you can get yourself a really nice player even after the seven rounds because, like you said, Connie, used to be 17 rounds and they still found guys. So let's hope that the Jets do that and that they're able to come away from this with a lot of players that become core members of this team. She is, of course, a legend, the first female scout. Her book is an absolute must-read for anybody that likes football at all, and I'm really glad that she took the time to come on and talk about these draft prospects with me. I just hope that she'll come back and talk to me some more. Maybe we'll get into her entire story, her career, and everything, and we can talk about a whole bunch of things going on with the current Jets as well because her insight is invaluable, like I said, an honor and a privilege. Connie Carberg, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, my pleasure, Scott. Great to talk to you, and let's go Jets. Absolutely. For anybody that doesn't know how they can purchase your book or how they can interact with you on social media or get a hold of you, why don't you go ahead and let them know? Okay. Uh, the book is uh, for sale on Amazon. It's both in the you know Kindle in all the e- ebook form and regular. Um, I'm at, at Connie Scouts. And my Facebook page is Connie Scouts. And I'm also I'm, I'm on Twitter and uh, Connie Scouts on Instagram. I'm Connie Scouts everywhere. <laughs> It's because Connie's still scouting, as you can tell. Even though she's not scouting for an NFL team, she's still out there watching all the games and putting her notes together just like she did when she was in the scouting game. And I'm really glad that she was able to share some of those on this podcast. Make sure you go ahead and follow Connie. Buy her book if you haven't already. Shame on you. Go ahead and get it. If you're a Jets fan, you really should own it. But if you like football at all, it's something you should have in your collection. No question. You could buy it on Kindle. You could also buy it hardcover. Whatever it is you want to do, go ahead and buy it. X's and O's don't mean I love you. It's available now. Go buy it. 100% recommend it. If you don't have it yet, like I said, you should be ashamed of yourself. And for the latest (laughs) and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.